Hello and welcome to season five of Be the Good with Kate Cherichello. How are we here already? Honestly, it comes down to that first step, taking an idea, then taking an action on the idea, getting on that train, so to speak. And now over 50 episodes later, here we are. And that's a recurring theme with every guest. We all have the power to make a difference. And once we take the first steps, we can amaze ourselves with what we are capable of and how we can make the world a better place. Be the Good with Kate is all about people doing good in the world while following their passions, good for their own souls and for others. I get so excited about each and every episode of Be the Good to share with you, and I hope you find inspiration in these people and stories. If you're new here, welcome, and if you're returning, thanks so much for your support. I'm so glad you found Be the Good and would love to hear from you. If you also want to continue to spread these stories of good news, I'd be thrilled if you shared via Instagram, Facebook, email, however you can. Every share, subscriber, like, review on podcast platforms, comment, and so on helps me to share these guests' wonderful works to more people. Thank you for your help in this. Now, on to this week's episode. Let's spread a little more goodness in the world. Today's guest has quite the unique background. We've had a lot of creative, not your average careers on this show, but I feel like Kevin Cassidy might take the cake. He is a former Hollywood stuntman and has been in movies like Ant-Man, Spider-Man, Black Panther, and the list goes on and on and on. But he grew up on Long Island and was the target of intense bullying and now runs a Ninja Warrior Center in North Carolina. I'm Absolutely can't wait to hear from Kevin and to share with you all. So, Kevin, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excited about it. Oh, well, please tell everybody more about who you are and what you do in your own words. Uh, well, I'm Kevin Cassidy. Like you said, I was a Hollywood stuntman for almost 18 years. Uh, before that, I was a school teacher outside of D.C. Before that, I was a minor league baseball player working backwards, college, and then at birth, I was a, I had a birth defect and speech impediment my whole life, so I dealt with bullying and teasing, and I moved from Long Island, New York, to Charlotte, North Carolina when I was 10, and um, I'm still, I'm back in Charlotte now after LA and all that, but, uh, so the two different things going on, the culture from New York to North Carolina back in the late 80s, weren't a whole lot of New Yorkers around here. Uh, bring a, I opened a bagel to lunch and I thought it was a horrible tasting donut. They didn't know what the bagel was. <laughs> no now way, there's New Yorker, really? yeah, Now there's New Yorkers all over Charlotte because of the banking and everything. So a couple of that with Bert DeFest, Speech of Pandemic and all that. So that was uh, part of my upbringing dealing with that. And uh, was in Hollywood for 18 years doing some awesome movies and have three beautiful daughters now. Six, four, and two. So I'm in the trenches of child care. I'm up to my neck and women in the house, which you think would be a great thing, but it's just, it just takes it out of you. Uh, so I left Hollywood to be closer to my family and opened up a Ninja Warrior business and wrote a book and I do podcasting and speaking and after school programs and kind of all of it. So it's a lot. Wow. Wow. And I love the, the title of your book, Falling Down to Find Myself. It's just a very intriguing title. And let me just say, um, just so the audience knows, just came out in September. It's behind the scenes from Hollywood. It's the ups and downs of career and growing up. And it's, quote, an engaging guide to living happier and making a real difference in the world, which I just loved. What made you want to write this book? I've always been drawn to like mentorships. I was a teacher for a little bit, coaching. I, I have a real passion for that. And uh, my ride in Hollywood kind of took that away from me a little bit. 
towards the end of my career, I was like mentoring the younger stunt guys and I really got back in touch with that. So when I left, I really wanted to get back in that world. And I was always a writer and, and dabbled in writing and thought a good, uh, after my story was it's not finished, obviously, there's a whole lot more left, hopefully. Um, but it's a very intriguing story that I could help a lot of people with, uh, with my journey and where I came from, where I went to, how I got there. And uh, so I just started putting it all on my paper and um, open the business and see how much good I can do. Amazing. So now I need to go all the way back. So let's take this step by step. How did you go from your school years into minor league baseball? So that was a pretty easy transition. You play baseball in college and you get recruited by pro scouts and you sign a contract. And I was recruited pretty, I signed pretty late. I wasn't a big money guy. So I played a year, kind of knew I wasn't really good enough to make it to the big league. So I checked out the box and I went to teaching in Baltimore. And then the Baltimore jump from teaching to the stunt world was a pretty big, yeah. pretty big gap there. That was, it wasn't, wasn't a straight shot. Not many people do that. <laughs> no. And with the the shift from college playing sports, when was 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 there, I should say, a shift from that being bullied to being respected for what you can do? A little bit more on on that. Yeah, I honestly think that big shift happened when I left. I went to a junior high. So it was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. And my high school was 10th, 11th, and 12th. Okay. So the junior high was pretty rough. We had a gang fight in seventh grade. It was oh. it was rough and tumble school. Uh so bullying was happening anyway, let alone what I brought to the table. And I never really backed down and I probably made it worse than it could have been. I'm a fighter. I'm a football player. I was a good athlete. So I, I didn't duck away from it, which probably I learned a lot because of that, but I, you know, it wasn't always the right, right decision. So when I went to high school, I went to, um, a, I think kids mature. Once you get to high school, you're worried about your popularity and that where I think bullying kind of subsides a little bit because kids are more mature there anyway, or at least mm-hmm. in my experience. I had a relationship with a lot of these kids, and I've said this before on other podcasts and in my book. Bullying wasn't 100% of my life. It was maybe 20%. So it's still an 80% of good relationships and playing ball, and it's not all of it. And now with social media and everything, getting on a soapbox, but you can't get away from it as easy as it could then. It ended. One thing happened at lunch. I got beat up and bullied. Nothing else happened until, like, two days later. Like, mm-hmm. I had a big gap to, like, recover myself and build my confidence for the next attack or whatever. Well, now with social media, it's really hard to get away from it. So, but um, that's how it is different now than then. So, I don't know if I answered your question. I went off on a tangent there, but no, absolutely, and agreed about social media. Oh my gosh! But the I really like what you said too about it wasn't your whole life. It was twenty percent, and you had eighty percent. And like it's an important reminder for people too, right? With whatever the challenge is, the challenge isn't your whole being. There's so much more to a person. So I'm glad you you said that too. Yeah. And you can make it your whole being like you can internalize that. And that's exactly what, what it is and who you are. And in my book, I talk about who you are versus what you are. I was a bully kid in, in high school, that transition. Kids were nicer. I was on the varsity team. I got popular pretty quick because I had a good charisma and I learned a lot from my bully being bully days. Um, so that transition was pretty quick, but I wasn't the popular kid. I wasn't the form kid. I wasn't a star athlete. I wasn't the stuntman or a baseball player. That was never who I was. That was just what I was. Mm-hmm. So having a good uh, focus on that has really helped me. That's something I try to portray in the book. Oh, that's an excellent point. So going with that, then the path continues. You're a teacher 
and then you're a stuntman? What? How did <laughs> how did we wake up one day and have that happen? Um, mom was not happy, first of all. And then, <laughs> <laughs> so we, when I was teaching, we were watching a sport called slam balls, like full contact basketball, trampolines. It was on national TV for a couple of years. We watched it, you know, had a beer in the middle of the night. We watched slam ball. It came on after like WWE wrestling or something, WWE <laughs> wrestling. And a year later, they had a tryout for it, a nationwide tryout for the slam ball sport. So me and a couple of buddies went to Philadelphia. We're living in Baltimore. He was from Philly. So it's kind of a ghost go to Philly, hang out with my family. We go to the slam ball tryout and we'll make a weekend of it. Oh, ah, cool. I, I made it. I, <laughs> so I got shipped to LA and I was teaching at the time. So I told my principal, listen, here's it. Here's what I got in front of me. I'm 22 years old. I got a free ride to LA for two weeks. I can get cut at any time and come home or I can make it and I'll be there for like four months. I'll probably get cut in a week. I'll, I wanted a free ride to LA, but if I'm going to burn this bridge, I'm not going to take it. What, what do you want me to do? She was awesome. You always have a job here. Don't worry about it. You're young. Go to LA, have fun. I'm like, great. Now you got to tell your mom. <laughs> so <laughs> I went to LA and I made it. I made this for, it was in LA for four months. I was on TV, uh, did the whole nine there. A couple of people I met in that world were stuntmen. So then transitioning, going back to teaching, to staying in LA, uh, I kind of got in with some stunt people. Here's what they do. They do movie, TV shows, and video game motion capture, and commercials, and learn the whole world a little bit. Ended up on one of my buddies' couches out in LA, and he just uh, went to another tryout for the movie called The Longest Yard. Adam Sandler, Burt Reynolds, and Michael Irvin, Nelly, Terry Crews, all these guys. And uh, I made that tryout and got on that movie. And made a lot more money than I ever made teaching. Had a great time. Made a lot of good friends. So I'll stay in LA and ride this wave as long as I can. And then 18 years later, I'm looking to get out of it because I got a family now. (laughs) And I I can imagine that your body too, right? The physical demands must have been quite something. Yes, it's a young young man's game. But there is a a progression and a ladder to get behind the camera. So all the football movies, I did motion capture for Madden, NFL Madden. Motion capture for like Halo and um of course all the movies and falling downstairs that beats you up but then you get to where you know people and you get hired to do the fight choreography or the, mm-hmm. the stunt rigging or do the budget and you're on the core team and you're the person involved in doing like building the team of stunt people are going to do the movies you train the actors you do the fights you do... so i got behind the camera in my last about eight seven eight years uh which was a lot easier in my body, but the hours are 10 times more. Your phone's always in it. Something's always changing. Now you're on the, the administrative side of that, you know, $500 million movie that comes up and goes away in nine months. So yeah. uh, it was fun, but again, young man's game and now yeah. a great time to be a family man. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then coming back here to North Carolina, what made you decide to open this gym to write this book and all, so, like, all that goes with it? I wanted to open a, a multi-sport franchise, a franchise, multi-sport business, football, baseball, basketball, bigger, stronger, faster kind of thing. And that was my plan. Even from college, I had business plans and I had um, investors lined up and I had all these different business plans I was going to do. And then I found the Ninja Warrior space, which I really liked because of football, baseball, basketball, any of the big sports. If you're good at eight years old, they're trying to monetize you. They're coming to get you to play on this travel team. Come here. They just suck the soul out of it at such an early age. I didn't want to be involved in that. And the Ninja Warrior parkour, X Games mentality, motocross guy. I just love that vibe, that community. So I wanted to start something that had to do with that. 
and I found Ninja Nation, which is a, a franchise. I'm the second ever franchise owner of Ninja Nation. I had my own business plan, the building design, everything done. And doing that research, I found Ninja Nation to kind of like figure out how they're doing it, what their payroll is, what their revenue stream is. And the more I talked to them, the more I aligned philosophically about what they were doing. I decided to partner them up with one of their locations because my, uh, my ROI was about being home with my family. And nice. if I opened my own business, I'd be working there 90 hours a week and sure. mine's are doing another movie at that point. Absolutely. So now if, if you, there was, you met someone on an elevator, you have an elevator pitch for what is Ninja Warrior, Ninja Fitness, this whole world for someone who has like not been on social media for the last decade, has no idea what the television shows are. What, <laughs> how do you explain it? Uh, we call it, it's 11,000 square foot facility that is, we call it play, train and compete. It's, uh, if you've never seen a TV show, it'd be hard to explain, but a lot of like uh, um, arm holes, grabbing, jumping here to there, run up a rope wall, balance, agility, strength, all combined in like a race. It's kind of like optimize a playground and made it competitive. Uh, so get from the monkey bar from here to there faster. We did that times a thousand with a whole bunch of cool different monkey bars and balance and, and strength and agility kind of things. That's kind of a sport in a nutshell. But the business model is, you can play, come and do a birthday party, have fun and play and all this stuff. There's pads everywhere. There's people there to spot you and tell you how to do it. You can, you can train. We have a development program where you can, uh, like a gymnastics student, you come once a week. You start at the beginning. You're in a class. Our teachers teach you how to get better at all these obstacles. Or you can compete. We have a competitive team that goes around the country and competes in different competitions. So uh, anywhere from the birthday party that's playing to, you know, be on the competitive team. We have everything there. Oh, fantastic. So uh, one more question before we move on. Um, I know I always say there's five questions, but really we can get on so many tangents because people are fascinating and this story is so interesting. You made a mention about the who you are versus what you do. Mm -hmm. So when you were in Hollywood in this 90, 100, however many hour per week job, how did you or did you find a balance with the who you are versus what you are? I think I, I did because it's who you're surrounding yourself with. A lot of like, mm -hmm. if you're in Hollywood, you're being actors or producers, or I know you do some acting in New York. It can get kind of uh, the managers, managers, agents, that game is kind of soul sucking. The stunt world is all word of mouth. There's no managers or agents, no, no auditions. It's all word of mouth. And it's kind of run by old cowboys. Show up on time, be a good person. Don't be a, just, get your job done, be athletic. Don't tell somebody to do something you can't because you're going to have to do it. And then we're going to find out something like 10 minutes. So, you know, do that. And that kind of builds a community of like-minded people who are ex-athletes, who are grounded, who are humble because we, we're in this, there's a thousand people behind me like, wanting this job. So if I don't show up on time, that guy can fire me in a second. Another guy's, I'm, I'm replaceable. So that community in the stunt world in Hollywood really helped keep you grounded in your who rather than your what. Because you, you might go from running, be the head of a huge movie like Ant-Man, and the next day you might be working for one of your buddies, cleaning pads and helping him get a car ready for a car scene the next day. Because everyone kind of comes from the bottom and works their way up. So the humility that encompasses in the stunt world really makes it easier in that little subgroup to, to stay grounded in who, not what. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. yeah. So what are some good news moments, you know, whether, and you have a long history that you can pick from <laughs> yeah. way back, or if it's right now, now that the book just came out in September, if there's been people giving you feedback, if there's good news moments from people you've worked with in the past or for yourself, 
um, that has been a part of the work you've done and because of the work you've done? So many a good thing. So many good news moments. Like from the, I only made the first movie I cut out for because a woman who knew me from Slamball vouched for me. I didn't know that till years later. They wanted to cut me. I wasn't good enough to make it. And I find out that this coach said, I'll give him a shot. But because this one lady put her job on the line for me to do it. Wow. And I did a great job. And that guy hired me 10 times since I was his go-to guy for years. So that's a good news. You never know what, who you're in front of and putting your best self show up on time, be nice, work hard, it's not complicated. And then random people are going to just vouch for you for something else. You never know what's going to happen. So that was a very tangible good news moment that led to my whole career and my path. Then wow. having my kids and the feedback I'm getting from the gym and the parents and, and the book, I'm doing podcasts like this and I'm working with a friend to build a curriculum around the book and the Hoover West philosophy to go out to high schools and colleges to teach that to other schools. That just started a couple of weeks ago, kind of built momentum. So every, everything is kind of like leading to more good news and, and more be good stuff. So that's, that's all awesome. Oh, that's, I love that. And are there any mantras, sayings, quotes that have gotten you through, especially when things get tiring and tough? Yeah, one thing that always kind of comes to mind is someone that, I don't know when I heard it, but it was, everyone is the main character of their own book and you're probably not in it. It, it really helps you have empathy about, it's not about you. It takes that little a window, a little mirror up to your face about how narcissistic you might be. Mm-hmm. Like, why does this person do that? It's not about you. It's about that person's, the main character in her book or his book. It's not about you. So that's kind of grounded me in some disappointing moments I had. and uh, didn't get the job, didn't get the part, couldn't pay my rent. Uh, it's not a, it's, you can try to blame other people for it, but you're not probably in their book. They're doing their own thing. So keep it in-house and take care of yourself. And it keeps the narcissism and the ego down. I think that, that little uh, saying that I heard years ago. It's a good one. <laughs> if, if someone came to you and they wanted to make a difference, they just knew that that was what they wanted to do, but they didn't know where to start. They didn't know how to begin. Is there any advice you'd give them? I would say, Begin from within. You have to fix yourself and be grounded in who you are. Be the most genuine article of yourself before you can really effectively help other people, I, in my opinion. I mean, there's a lot of charlatans out there. There's a lot of people who are flashing on social media that think they're helping people. I, but the, the really organic, genuine people, I think, do the most good. So get to that place first, however you have to do it. And then be okay, be vulnerable. Put yourself out there. I could have wrote a book about how cool I was as a stuntman. I met all these movie stars. How cool. But most of my book is about how I failed and how mm-hmm. I was bullied and, you know, and all that. So being vulnerable is, is huge. And then put yourself out there. There's so many Facebook groups, blogs, posts. Start writing. Talk to different people. And you'll, like, even my the last month after the book came out, all the podcasts I'm doing, I found so many avenues I could maybe follow to help people. I didn't even know they were there. Just put yourself out there and then you'll find out what path is best for you. But do the internal work first. Don't worry about being vulnerable. Then put yourself out there to find the path that's best for you to make the most progress. So good. And such a needed reminder, right? I love that you said that do the internal work and then it's the do something. And then, you know, just make the start, make the move. 
Yeah. And uh, in the beginning of your book, you have a Carl Jung quote I wrote down because I wanted to <laughs> say it out loud too. The most terrifying thing is to accept oneself completely. And I really, I just said, oh, I have to ask Kevin, why did you pick that one? And because I can guess why, but I want to hear why. <laughs> well, you are all the versions of yourself, all the versions you've been. You can't erase the bad decisions or regrets. Like completely me is the bully kid who used to cry and write poems. Also the linebacker used to beat other kids up on the football field, then the stuntman, and then the mentor, then the coach. That's all me. So if you forget some of it, you won't be your you you won't be as evolved as you can be. Well, Kevin, I have so enjoyed getting to talk to you today. Please tell everybody where they can find you, the book, and just everything about you online. Uh, the book is on Amazon and everywhere books for souls, what my publisher says. Uh, but I have a website. Kevincast.com, uh, K-E-V-I-N-C-A-S-S.com. And uh, podcasts like this are all linked on there for other podcasts I've done. Uh, a little, I, do, I have a sub stack I'm starting to write. I'm doing that weekly. The book is actually about the book on there, Falling Down to Find Myself, um, my speaking engagements, and I'm working with the school for the curriculum, all that stuff. My email is on there. Just email me and figure out a way that maybe I can help you or someone around you and yeah, put yourself out there. That's it. Wonderful, Kevin. I can't thank you enough <laughs> for your time and, and your energy and your enthusiasm here today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to Be The Good with Kate Cherichello. Whether you're listening on YouTube or via podcast, it would mean the world if you liked, subscribed, and or left a review. You heard about the good? Now go out and be the good in your life this week. If you have stories of good news that need to be shared, please send me a message. Thanks again and have a great week.